Today's episode is brought to you by Artifact. Artifact sets you up with one of their professional interviewers to capture stories about important people or things in life. Think about it like your favorite podcast, but about whatever you want. You can do things like have them interview your parents about what their lives were like before you were born. Or as a birthday gift for your significant other, you can have them interview close friends about her and the importance of their relationships. There are tons of ways to use Artifact. You like podcasts, and I know that because you're listening to this podcast. So if you ever wanted to make an episode about something or someone in your own life, this is your chance to do it. I use Artifact to capture the story of my donation of my kidney to my father-in-law. And here is a quick snippet of that here. I remember she's cooking in the kitchen. I walk in and say, hey, I need to I need to tell you something. I just said I've been tested to give a kidney and uh, I'm a match for your dad. And so I, I would like to do that. And so she just, she broke down and was crying. And um, I called Dave and asked him if he'd come over and he came over and I just went out and sat with him in his truck and just said, Hey, I have some news. And I, I told him about it and he, he just kept, he just kept saying, are you sure? And to really get what this is all about, you need to listen to my episode, and you can do that at heyartifact forward slash Andrew. Here's how I did it. Step one is I went to heyartifact.com and told them a few basic things about what I wanted my artifact to be about. Step two, I answered a few pre-interview questions and scheduled my interview. The whole thing only took a few minutes. And then step three, my interview took place. It was about 30 minutes long. It was very easy, very casual, uh, actually really kind of a fun process. And so from there, Artifact's professional editors and sound engineers take care of the edit, and the final product was great. You can listen for yourself, again, at heyartifact.com slash Andrew. See great examples of how people are using Artifact and start your own at heyartifact.com. And again, you can listen to mine at heyartifact.com slash Andrew. You can get 40% off by using the code DUNK. Again, that promo code is DUNK to give somebody just a very unique and special gift, go to heyartifact.com. I'm Deontay Burton, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Hamadou Diallo. Hey, I'm Danilo Gallinari. I'm Chris Paul, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Louis Dort, and I'm down to Dort. What's Dort? I'm not going to lie. I don't know what that was. In English, bro. I'm Darius Baisley, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Shake Gilders Alexander. I'm Steven Adams. I'm Andre Robinson, and I'm down to dunk. On you. Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schleck, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. With me today is my good friend, Alex Spears. Alex, what's up? Good morning. Good morning. It's bright and early out there in Portland this morning. It is 645. What's up? (laughs) I'm usually out on the course by this point, throwing (laughs) some discs. Oh, I bet you guys got some great disc golf courses out there. We do. We got a lot of wood woods courses. Oh, man. That sounds awesome. It's great. Uh, you know what else is awesome? Maybe not to Doc Rivers, but he's gone from L.A. He's long gone. I, uh, I, was, I was surprised. Yeah. I, I didn't. I felt like I shouldn't be surprised because we had talked about Man, if you look back at, at uh, Doc's resume with the Clippers, it's not as impressive as you think in your head, given all the talent they had. And yet still, like, I really didn't think they w- would fire him. Yeah. And 
Me too. When we, when we obviously we're focused on the Clippers because we have all of their picks forever and ever. And thinking about it through that lens, I actually do think it was the right move for the Clippers because I would actually feel better from the Thunder's perspective if they had just held on to Doc because then you go into next season and if it doesn't work out, then you feel like everything could blow up and that could still happen. But if they bring in another coach, let's say like Ty Lue, I do feel like it gives them a little bit more breathing room because now they're looking at what was your success under Ty Lue on only this one year. And, and it's not attached to this really long history with Doc Rivers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think they made the smart move going forward. I agree. I think Doc gets like too much leash when it comes to like the credit that he gets for being a great coach because I he hasn't had the playoff success that people think that he would have had. I mean, he he has never made the conference finals with the Clippers. He's never right. made the conference finals, which is wild. And I think I think it's the right thing to do too, because then Paul George just gets to the end of next season when they lose in round one or round two, and he says, "This was just year one with right." <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so it's it's a lot. It's there's a lot of breathing room for Paul George's choices of uh, phrases that he's used already. And uh, I thought some of the tweets coming out afterwards were kind of interesting. So. First, you had Ryan Rosillo, which, you know, take it with a grain of salt. He was the one who said Paul George was definitely going to the Lakers. Yeah. But he tweeted out that this surprise doc, from what I'm told, he thought he was okay. But this locker room was an even bigger mess than we realized. Kawhi has never had to be a vocal leader, and PG doesn't have the respect of his teammates. Which, those last lines, I think we all knew that part. Yeah. But uh, I, I do think it's kind of interesting that this, this surprise doc, I mean, I guess it would. But you almost feel like with a move that big, he had to have some kind of inkling. And then some other uh, tweets that came out, uh, Ramona Shelburne said that Balmer had consulted with Lawrence Frank, Dennis Wong, Jerry West, and Michael Winger before a final decision was made. Sources said Balmer called several key players, including George and Kawhi, to get their opinions. Nothing the players told him, sources said, changed Balmer's mind. (laughs) So the players not necessarily like throwing their body in front of this. Yeah. With that said, they have to nail this, this hiring. Like it has to be, you have to do it right because, and also I think that not only is the locker room docs issue, it's like the team's issue. They have to, I mean, I think they have to address a lot of things with the construction of the team. I don't think you can just get a new coach and run it back and then expect the team chemistry to just be okay right yeah and that's why i think that ty Lu is like honestly the only answer like i i can't think of another coach that you could bring in mm-hmm. i mean maybe mike d'antoni but that, i don't know his i mean maybe that would be great for mike d'antoni for some reason in my head his like personality doesn't fit that team i know i was texting with some people in there we're just asking the question, like, what if they just swapped? Send Doc to Houston, Mike D'Antoni to L.A. That's too much money for old Tillman. <laughs> He'd have to pay up for Doc. <laughs> he would have to pay up for Doc. And that's also, yeah. I mean, I've I've gotten very few, and I'm very proud of you guys for not sending this to me uh, in bunches, but I've gotten a few 
Dr. OKC, Doc coaching the Oklahoma City Thunder. I mean, it's just preposterous, right? Yeah, it's it's not the right time for a coach like that. Um, I honestly, looking at all of his potential options, assuming he doesn't just go into TV, I actually think in my gut is telling me the Pelicans. I feel like yeah. the Pelicans would be like the best landing spot for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I don't disagree because he did a good job coaching that ragtag group of of kids last year in L.A. Yeah. And this is a younger group. They've got some some nice veterans on their team like J.J. Redick, who's was one of Doc's guys. So, yeah. yeah. And he's going to he'd have a lot longer of a uh, ramp because like if he goes oh. to Philly, it's like within a year, if you didn't make it to the conference finals, every the world is falling again. Oh, yeah. Sky is falling. Do or die. Whereas with the Pelicans, like they legit have like at least three years before anyone's really expecting them to be like a true contender. Yeah. Uh, got a question from a watcher. What do we call them? What do we call them? Viewer <laughs> on YouTube. Colin Reed wants to know what's more likely, Dan Tony to the Sixers or the Clippers. Before you say that, since we're talking now to our listeners, watchers, it is International Podcast Day. So that's thank true. You. Yeah, it is September 30th. So thank you for everyone for celebrating with us. Wow. For all the, for all the gifts and, and nice words you'll probably be sending us today on, on this is basically our birthday. It's our second birthday. <laughs> right. It's a celebration. It's a celebration today, everybody. Um, what's more likely, Dan Tony, Sixers or Clippers? I mean, the, the I guess the Clippers the Clippers are the better scenario, but wow. the the D'Antoni the Sixers has just been out there more, mm-hmm. and um, so I, I think it's more likely that D'Antoni ends up with the Sixers, but the the Clippers if you're a especially if you're a high level coach like who's who wants is you know who's getting like seven million dollars a year like that's the plum job. Mm-hmm. to go into LA with a owner who has tons of money to spend, really good organization. You already have two stars in place. I mean, if Ty Lue lands that, like what an awesome opportunity for him mm-hmm. to go from that Cavs team to, you know, walking in the wilderness for a couple of years, not having his own team and then being dropped back into this Clippers team. Yep. I think that would be a really good situation for him. And if D'Antoni went there legitimately his best chance at a ring, Mm-hmm. Um, probably for the rest of his career, because the Sixers, like, I think it'd be fun with D'Antoni, but unless something dramatically changes with their roster, I, I, I'm still not feeling positive about the Sixers. Yeah, I don't think the expectation, and maybe that's, and maybe that's a good thing for Mike D'Antoni that, like, the expectation is title, or, title or bust for the Clippers. Yeah, for sure. For the Sixers, it's, can you make this team just functional? Like, See, I, I think that's our perspective, but I wonder if that's how Philly fans feel. Yeah, I I wonder that as well. Because that sounds like a very rational opinion. <laughs> yeah. is, is that where Sixers fans are? <laughs> I don't think so. But I think they also would just like to have like a nice like 50-win functional team. You know? Like, just... Like, let's just get through this and just look like a basketball team at the end. Yeah. Let's, let's just play hard. In which that doesn't really bode well for, I mean, the way that the Rockets played. 
down the stretch, like at the end of the playoffs, with just like they just laid down with like two games left. They were right. just, like, you could just watch their body language, but yeah, that team is toast. And you just don't want to see you just don't want to see that. Uh Hoops Talk 69 wants to talk the latest Thunder coaching rumors. He asked, is Dirk gonna be the new Thunder coach? Why was he at the OU game? Did no one ever explain that? Because that was strange. I no, I don't. I don't. I've never seen anybody explain it well. I mean, it's awesome. It was nice to see Dirk just hanging out, Norman, Oklahoma, <laughs> watching a watching a massive loss. <laughs> just a catastrophic loss. Uh, those are the games where you want to just turn on the sports animal and blast it afterwards. For some of us, yes. Yeah, I, I probably would enjoy it as well. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know what he was doing there, but that would be fun. I mean, at this point, like any coach that was hired where you already know the person, yeah, it, w- it would be exciting. Dude, I, I honestly don't know either. I don't know if he was here talking to the Thunder. I have no clue. I have no knowledge, no insight. People uh, are saying they're bringing in a shooting coach for uh, Dre. It's going to be Dirk. Yeah, Dirk, Dirk Nowitzki. Yep, that's what people <laughs> are saying. Coming in to help Andre Robertson, whose contract is expiring, by the way. <laughs> yeah, well. He's here to help. They're building up his value. Or uh, wait, they don't even have his rights anymore. No, they don't. Nope. Nope. Um, I mean, if they hired him at Dirk as coach, that would really be a left field. That would That would surprise me more than even Steve Nash. I mean, at least Steve Nash had the KD connection. I don't know what. Dirk's connection to Oklahoma City would be in that scenario. Other than it's a, it seems like a good way to needle Mark Cuban because he probably doesn't like Dirk straying too far from the Mavericks organization. I'm sure he wants to keep him there long term. Yeah. But other than that, of course, we are talking about a totally different sport. <laughs> he was at an OU football game. It wasn't like he was at like a Thunder G League game or something. Mm-hmm. He couldn't be, though. It's impossible. He couldn't be. It is impossible. I, uh, yeah, I have no insight. It would be super duper fun if he was the coach of the Thunder. No idea if he'd be any good. No clue whatsoever. He'd, he'd probably be good with the media. Oh, he would be great. That's why I would love it. I mean, you yeah. get to talk to Dirk Nowitzki before every Thunder game. I mean, how great would that be? <laughs> I feel like it'd just become like the Chris Farley show where you just be like, hey, do you remember that time? Like, for, <laughs> that would be all the questions. People just want to tell Dirk to tell stories. Hey, Dirk, remember that time that you took it to uh, Chris Bosh in the post in the finals and beat the uh, beat the, the 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 team over there? Uh, <laughs> that was awesome. The Thunder had like 10 wins. We're in like <laughs> February. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that would be great. No but, idea what the thing doesn't seem does not. Let's just be clear. It doesn't seem like it's a thing. It does not seem like that is what is going to happen. I would be very I would be floored. I well, mean, it's, out, it's out there now. I know. I know. I'd be floored if I would still would be floored if it happened, even though it's out there. Still be just absolutely shocked if that happened. Going back to uh, Ty Lue real quick. So Brad Turner, he tweeted that Ty Lue not only has interest from the Clippers, but he's going to be meeting with the 76ers, Rockets, and Pelicans yeah. in the coming day. So I definitely think Ty Lue's coming out of this offseason with a job. I think you're probably right about that. I think that I, 
I mean, it makes the most sense to me that that he would. I'd be. Sh- I mean, I'd be shocked, right? Oh yeah. If if one, he doesn't have a job, and then two, I'd be shocked if it wasn't the Clippers. Like it's just gotta be. Yeah, I think there's this this off season is interesting in that the types of teams that are looking for coaches are looking for quote unquote like championship coaches. Mm-hmm. Um, so guys like Ty Lu or even Doc Rivers are there's just more opportunities, like good more good opportunities for them this offseason compared to like an average year. It's not like we're talking about like a King's opening or a thunder or a thunder opening, which there is one of those. Yep. That exists. Yeah. Yes. So there's going to be spots. There's always spots for developmental coaches, but there's a lot of like high profile landing spots this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, like there's some decent candidates, but there's not like one that just really sticks out. And Ty Lue's like the only one that really sticks out, but I think he's, he's a, I think he's a good coach, I think, but also like LeBron is making Frank Vogel look like a freaking genius right now. You know, so yeah, for sure. It's hard to know outside of LeBron, like what is he? And it's also kind of crazy that if he did accept this job with the Clippers, that he'd be coaching against LeBron in LA. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the the two best things you could say about Tyloo is that his team did come down from a three one deficit in the NBA Finals. Which, mm-hmm. yes, some of that is LeBron, but some of that has to be a coach because. I can't imagine how difficult that must have seemed after game four. Yeah. The the prospect of beating that team three times in a row. Mm -hmm. And then just the stories you heard, which honestly, this is kind of a negative, but the stories you heard about like the health effects that job had on Ty like clearly he was putting a lot of time and energy in that job. It wasn't like he was just a figurehead for the Cavs. Like he was doing a ton of work, um, which makes you kind of scared. Hopefully he's, (laughs) Like hopefully he's gotten over his health issues and and would be able to handle that with a new job. But he he's he's not just going to be like some random figurehead for a team with a bunch of stars. Like I, I do think Tyloo has strong opinions on coaching. It's just, you're but you're right. It's hard to separate it out from LeBron because that's all we've seen thus far. Yeah, Jeannie Bus was on the Athletic NBA show the other day. She talked about like the thing that sets him up, sets LeBron apart from all the other Laker greats is like the amount of accountability that he places on everybody. Like he does not allow anybody to just like skate through anything. And so I thought that was really interesting. And like almost it seems like the opposite of the way that the Clippers operated this year. Yeah, true. Man, I I wonder. Yeah. I, I wonder what the Clippers are going to do. We're, we're going to get to my teams of chaos. I did not include them, which I will explain, but yeah. um, they're, they're possible. And then there was one other tweet about Doc Rivers uh-huh. talking uh, uh, Jovan Buha. I said his name right? You did it. Yes. He <laughs> said, two philosophical points of contention between Rivers and the organization were more recently his insistence on playing backup center Montrez Harrell over starting center Zubac. And at large, his reluctance to develop or empower the team's younger talent throughout his tenure. Which I I I, I don't know, man. I, I feel like there was a lot of stuff that came out after Rivers was fired or they mutually agreed to part ways about like the philo- coaching philosophy and stuff. And I feel like if 
he doesn't lose three one. Like we're not having this conversation. Like they made it. I, I feel like a lot of the reporting that came out made it seem like this was something that had been building for many, many months. Mm-hmm. And there were like a lot of factors, but if they don't flame out in the way they do, I, I just don't think this happens, but no. maybe I'm wrong. No, 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 absolutely not. I mean, you, you can put all the blame on way off P has now become layoff P. It's all, it's all on Paul George. Uh, Kyle Mutri from uh, YouTube makes a good point. He says, I think D'Antoni uh, has to have a great creator on his team to have his schemes maximized. The Knicks didn't have one during his tenure. The Lakers didn't didn't either. And the Clippers don't have one now. I think that's a great point. I think that when D'Antoni has looked the best is when he's got great point guards like Steve Nash and James Harden and Russell Westbrook. Uh, they make all of his schemes look really good. And he's right. I mean, he had Kobe Bryant. And he had... I mean, who was... I guess the Knicks. I don't know about the Knicks. But who was... Felton. <laughs> Ray Felton. Yeah. Yeah. Nate Rob. <laughs> it was a good, it's a good point, though, that those... Those are the guys that thrive in his system and make it look really good. And that's why all handlers. It'd be cool to see Ben Simmons in that type of a system. Yeah, just yeah. To see what Antoni does with him. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's why. The, maybe maybe now that all the all the guys that are that are gone from the Chris Paul era with the Clippers, maybe they can finally make a Chris Paul trade back to L.A. Mm. Mm. I think that opens opens that up. Is that your no. expectation? No, <laughs> huh? no, I honestly, and you've, you've talked about it, but the Knicks just seem like the only option, not the only option, but I know other teams have been floated out there, but in terms of the teams that have uh, the best combination or that could easily do that trade, cause that trade is not easy to do. It's not. I, I do feel like the Knicks make the most sense. Yeah. It may, yeah, it makes the most sense. Yeah, period. It's, for a ton of reasons. Yeah. Could you even make the money work for Chris Paul to, to the Clippers? No. Okay. All Don't right. even bother looking it up. You can't do it unless you're trading Paul George. <laughs> I mean, who are the other big big money contracts on that team? Lou yeah. Wells only making $8 million. I know. Patrick Beverly, 13.3. Okay. So you're at 21. Evitza Zubac, 7 million. 28. Rodney Magruder, 5. 32. <laughs> okay. Yandu Cabangele, 2. What are we going to do with all these guys? <laughs> I don't know. It's not going to happen. Uh, let's move on to our, our next topic. And you want to talk about, you want to talk some trades, Alex? Uh Yes, although I was just thinking about this. I know I know, I said we should make this its own part, but this is actually going to come up in my teams of chaos, so maybe we can hey, save it for that. Move on to the NBA Finals. They begin tonight in the bubble in Orlando. The, uh, the finals haven't happened in Orlando in a long time, and it's not because of the magic. It's because of a worldwide pandemic. That's be a, be a great uh, bold prediction before the season that the finals will be in Orlando and it's not because of the magic. Uh, so first of all, what are, what's your pick for the finals? I've, I'm on the record as uh, Lakers in seven. What the, what are your, what are your seven, wow. um, 
I think I am going to go with the Miami Heat. Oh, oh, oh. If if this was outside of the bubble, I would go with the Lakers. Yeah. Um, but I feel like the Heat have like found some uh they they found something magical on campus. They mm-hmm. found the Disney magic. Mm-hmm. And it is it is coursing through their veins. Maybe it's Jimmy Butler's coffee company. Maybe it's that coffee. There's something in that coffee. But I just feel like this is a weird year and I would be it would be a weird ending for it to just end up so normally with the best team in the league winning the championship. <laughs> and so for all these dumb reasons, I'm picking the Miami Heat. I also think, I mean, obviously, the Miami Heat are just a deeper team than the Lakers. And we are at the point where we have now played a lot of games in the bubble. We've played through three series. I do kind of worry about Anthony Davis holding up additionally. I mean, we saw it at the end of that of, of the conference finals with his ankle. What about Jimmy? Jimmy doesn't. Jimmy's kind of looked a little hobbled at times. Mm, I, I have I have so much faith in Jimmy. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> yeah, he's fine. Um, so yeah, so I'm gonna take the heat and I'm gonna take him in six. Wow. Okay. Heat and six. Okay. Heat and six. So something uh thunder related when it comes to uh the NBA finals is that people want to talk about team building. How do you build a team here? Just look at Miami. They never tanked, and look where they are. They're in the NBA finals. All they had to do was be mediocre after LeBron left, sign players to crazy contracts that made no sense at the time, made no sense later, make them way too long. You got all these deals. Stay mediocre. Just stay in the middle. And then suddenly you just attack and you get to the NBA finals. Is that, is this, uh, this is a team building strategy, right? This is what the Thunder should do, right? Well, can we at least, because I, I do think it's worth thinking about like if either of these teams win, what are the lesson learned in, in terms of team building? Can we at least agree that there is no lesson to be learned from the Lakers? We can just move on from the Lakers in terms of the thunder. Like, is there well, anything the Lakers, you can learn? From- the Lakers tanked. Well, <laughs> yes, but they, they also, they won, they won less games over that, over that time span than the Sixers. That's true. That is true. They tanked. They got their assets. They got they got young players in. They packaged them together along with some picks, and they got Anthony Davis, right? Yeah, I guess you're right. I was I was in my head, I'm thinking like any time that LeBron is involved, it's probably not relevant to Oklahoma City. Because obviously, even if you have the young the young guys and the picks, you're not making well, in Oklahoma City, you're not making that trade for Anthony Davis, most likely. Unless yeah. you have some assurances that he's saying, which they could only make that because they knew they had LeBron and they're the, the Lakers. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're right. That's interesting. Hadn't thought about it from that point of view. I, I think both are equally irrelevant to the Thunder's team team building. Both well, are, are equally irrelevant because the the, the Heat are a, a nice regular season story. And we're not talking about them at all right now. If Jimmy Butler doesn't decide to go there. Same thing with LeBron. So what what I think is interesting about Miami, if they won, is that if they win the NBA championship, the last two champions will have a similar like broad team building construction, which is basically get to a point where you're a good team and then trade for a quote unquote star to take you over the top. 
um, which is what the Raptors did by trading for Kawhi. I mean, they had a good team existing, but no one really thought that team was ever going to win a championship. Mm-hmm. And Miami had an interesting, like, up-and-coming team. I don't think anyone even thought that by bringing in Jimmy Butler, they would take them to a championship level, but we are on the precipice of that. So um, I think in that respect, you could say that maybe that's a like maybe that's a a possible way to team build just generally like you eventually could trade for a star if you have a decent team mm-hmm. but that seems i don't know i mean it's it's possible couldn't that be a possible way i mean ignore all the rest about the way miami built which yes giving like james johnson terrible contract deon waiters terrible contract there were so many terrible contracts yeah. that they gave out for the purpose of like maintaining a 38 to 41 win pace Mm -hmm. and that part of their build i have no interest in obviously they hit on bam and tyler hero in the end of the lottery which is amazing and is is very hard to do i don't think that part is replicable but i do think the part where you build up a team eventually with young guys and you get them to the point where maybe they're a second-round playoff team, and then you make a huge trade with all your picks for some guy, is a potential path forward for the what Thunder. Was, what was the Heat's record in 2018-19? Off the top of my head, I would guess that they were like a 38-win team. Yeah, they won 39 games. Ooh. They were not good. <laughs> this is not a good team. This is in the Eastern Conference. They had the 26th-ranked offense in the league. Like, this was not a good team. So, like, I, I mean, that's not even what the Heat did. Like, they didn't they didn't build up their team. They they just got Jimmy. And they didn't, they had to make a trade in order to get him on the roster because they had screwed up their cap sheet so much. Right. <laughs> but, but he chose to come there. Right? He, he did. He chose to come there. And that's where, if you're the Thunder, like, you can't, you can't replicate that. You can't replicate it. <sighs> I'm, I'm, I'm just to me, it's just as impossible as saying like, just go do what the Lakers did. Right, but you could and, and get LeBron and then trade for Anthony Davis, and boom, you're a title contender. Great, like it's just not those, like the avenue, like the vehicle to get there is not available to the Thunder. And it's available to the Heat, and it's available to the Lakers because they're in Los Angeles and they're in South Beach. But on the flip side, like we did trade for Paul George. Paul George is a player that never would have played in Oklahoma City, and not only did he play, he played two years and mm-hmm. re-signed with them. Mm-hmm. So, like, I think if you have the assets, you can trade for whoever you want to. I agree that in some respects, with like, especially with Anthony Davis and Jimmy Butler those were unique in that those players essentially forced their way. I mean, Jimmy Butler was free agent, but Anthony Davis forced his way to the place that he wanted to go. But in the future, if you have a guy who has two years left on his deal and you've now built up the thunder to be like the second round exit team, like, I don't think it's crazy in like 2022, 2023 to Mm -hmm. all of a sudden want to throw all those future picks at a guy. Yeah. I hear, I hear what you're saying. And yeah, it'd have to be the right guy. You know, I mean, Jimmy was the right guy for that team. And he got to come in and lead that team and like be the leader of that team. Like just so many things have to go right. 
you know. It's true. I mean, none of these plans are good. No, no plan to try to win a ring is good or replicable. Like every champion going back, the the only one that's replicable, if you go back and look at past champions, is being a big city and then bring in major stars. That <laughs> that is definitely replicable. We've seen that happen time and time again. Whether it was the Heat yeah. or the Lakers or the Golden State Warriors, like that that works. Boston. If you're if you're in a big city and you bring bring in a ton of superstars, that can work. Mm-hmm. That's like the one way to get a ring that I'm definitely in favor of. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't know. And, and honestly, we, we technically tried it. We, tried. <laughs> we, we gave it a go. We tried. Just got the wrong guys. Just had the wrong guys. And frankly, if you could replicate that aspect of the Thunder's previous life, which is you nail a guy in the draft, like mm-hmm. you get your Russell Westbrook. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe even better. Like this, gen- you not even maybe does, not even necessarily a generational star, like on Luca's level, but a guy who's like multi-time All Star is on the All NBA team, NBA team every year. And then you trade for another star like Paul George. I think that could potentially be replicable for OKC if you get such a magnetic star. Because like I think this is what Luca's going to be for Dallas. Like so people will want to play with Luca in a way that maybe they don't want to play with some other superstars. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe Dallas will become a more attractive free agency option, which it really hasn't been in the past. We'll see. Maybe I'm wrong, but I, I do think that's a potential path forward for the thunder. Now, how that relates to Miami. I don't really know. Yeah. Yeah. I honestly, I don't think, I think what you're talking about can make sense, but that's just not what Miami did. I mean, they got Jimmy Butler in free as a free agent. Right. So, and then, yeah. But I think you could say that a similar scenario could work with the Thunder with the exception that they're not going to be able to get that guy through free agency. They would have to get that guy through a trade. And ideally, they would have to get that guy through a trade when he has multiple years left on his contract. Yeah. Which is a much narrower window to try to thread that needle. But and you, and it has to work and you and the fear and the the Timberwolves are are an example. Like they got Wiggins and Towns, young team, ready to make the leap. Let's trade for Jimmy Butler, trade for Jimmy Butler. You get traded for the wrong guy who is the same guy that's in Miami who's leading these young guys, but Jimmy just hated those young guys. True. Minnesota. But you're right. That is, that is an example of when this doesn't work, although I think that the Timberwolves were correct for trying. They probably did it a little early mm-hmm. um, in retrospect because, I mean, they hadn't even made the playoffs. I mean, that was what Jimmy brought them. He brought them their first playoff appearance, which, if I remember right, that was the year when they played the Nuggets at the very end of the season and only got in because they won that final game yep. 82. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so they were they were probably not in the position yet to make that type of move and shouldn't have felt super confident about what the outcome was going to be. Yeah. But but yeah, that is the type of move that down the road I think will be available to the Thunder. Yeah. I don't disagree. And I'd like that player to be Devin Booker. Right. And and we when we talk about it, we're talking about literally Devin Booker in like three years. Mm-hmm. Three years. I'm a big Devin Booker guy over here. Uh, Hoopsock69 wants me to stop saying OKC will never get a free agent. Stop it. 
The Spurs got LaMarcus Aldridge when the Lakers and Knicks wanted him. And the Spurs, I think. I think the Spurs wanted him. I mean, the Suns. I think the Suns wanted him. Mm-hmm. Um, Should I stop? I mean, listen, we need to see it. I, I mean, I, I guess we saw it with Paul George. So pa- Paul George is that whole year rewrote a lot of what we thought about the potential for the Thunder. Um, but again, nothing, none of that happens without Russell Westbrook. And Russ played such a key role in that. And you have to have that player first, I believe, in Oklahoma City. Because mm-hmm. um, like Miami didn't have that player. He re- So he re-signed with the Thunder after playing with them for a year. I think that's just so different than getting a than getting a guy in free agency, right? Because I think anyone would agree that if we had just like if if Paul Jordan played out his contract with Indiana, he's not. We're not getting a meeting with him. No, right. And you already gave up the assets, right? Yeah. So I he's like a half free agent, but yeah. I wouldn't. Hoopstock says, and then a year later, force his way out. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I, I mean, the guys that you can count are Nerlens, right? Anthony Morrow, shout out. Anthony Morrow, Mike Mascala, Mike Mascala, two Pat. These are the guys, and they're not even like mid-level exception guys. I mean, these. These are the guys. These are like the top paid free agents that the Thunder have signed. Which I think is ultimately good because the other thing you see small markets doing is like giving a like C-tier guy like Harrison Barnes a ton of money and thinking that he is going to elevate them in some way. Mm-hmm. And so I do appreciate because OKC legitimately could probably get those types of guys if, if, the, if, if they had the money. Mm-hmm. Like they they can attract Harrison Barn level, but oh. you don't want you don't want those players on your team. So I think they've been good to not go after those guys. And Hoopstock sixty nine said, "Agreed, it's unlikely, but not impossible. Maybe a guy who's born and raised in OKC." And I would I would agree. I would say like if you get a LeBron scenario where the dude grew up in Akron, Ohio, maybe in this case he grew up in Edmond, Oklahoma. He just loves Oklahoma, loves everything about it. He loves Cattlemen's. And he wants to play his career in Oklahoma City. Yes, I think that is like a scenario that could potentially work. Trey Young to OKC confirmed. Right. Like something like that. Yeah. But even then, like we're talking, I mean, we're talking about like this might happen once every 20 years where there's a player good enough from Oklahoma City to worth trying to get. And then also that player wanting to come home and feel like he has some like need to bring a ring to Oklahoma. <laughs> Cause that was like LeBron's big thing. Like the second he got a ring, it was like, well, but there was also the scenario that he played there before and missed out. I wonder if he feels that way. Had he been drafted by, you know, the Memphis by the nuggets or Memphis or something, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you wonder if he like he starts his career in Memphis is his second contract on the Cavs. It's probably not. Probably not. Even though he likes Ohio. So now so it's all resting on us getting Cade Cunningham, it sounds like. Exactly. This is what and that's why you gotta tank, everybody. That's right, why we brought it back. We brought it back. <laughs>
We started with 22 teams heading down to Orlando, and now we are down to the final two. That's right, basketball's final two teams are set to square off to see who will be crowned basketball's champion. There's no better place to get in on all the action than DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports. To celebrate basketball's championship, DraftKings will have millions of dollars in total prizes up for grabs all week long. So get in on all the action now. If you haven't tried it yet, fantasy basketball is easy to play. Just pick six players, stand to the salary cap, and pile up points for three-pointers, rebounds, assists, and more. No better way to put your basketball knowledge to the test than to compete at a shot for millions of dollars. With millions of dollars up for grabs this week, there's no better place to have skin in the game than with DraftKings. Download the DraftKings app now and use the promo code RUN to get a free shot at millions of dollars up for grabs this week with your first deposit. That's promo code RUN to get a free shot at millions of dollars with your first deposit. Only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, You heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. My original point is that the Lakers and the Miami Heat are on like, to me, on like the same level of like trying to build a team both completely unreachable for the Thunder. And like, we just need to realize that. I mean, some people like to act like Jimmy Butler was like the icing on the cake for the heat to get here. But the problem, like he is the cake. He is the cake. You can't just act like, look what they did. They just, they just treaded water for years and got these draft picks and did such a good job. And like, you look at the odds of like getting Bam at bio and Tyler hero at the end of the draft, at the end of the lottery the odds are like under 10%. Like the actual like the actual numbers are under 10% that you draft one of those guys at that spot. And so it's just not it's not a replicable idea. And then you get to add just add a top what is Jimmy Butler top 15, top 10 player, whatever whatever you think he is. You just get to add him on top of that. Then yeah, great. Cool. I, I also think we need to discuss like what is what are the benefits of treading water? Because, you know, like in the Heat's case, you look over the last uh, one, two, three, four, five years before this year, they missed the playoffs three times and they made the playoffs twice. They had one nice little run where they lost in the second round. Um, So it's not like they're getting a ton of playoff appearances. I do, you know, I'm sure people would bring up like, what about like attendance? Mm -hmm. But to be honest, like attendance went down in OKC this year. I don't think that like a 38 win Oklahoma City Thunder team is going to bring significantly more people downtown than like a 25 win Thunder team. I I just don't think there's a big difference there. So it's like, what is the actual benefit of treading water? You're not you're not getting a shot at better prospects. You're, You're actively making that harder for yourself. Because, yes, maybe you do land these diamonds in the rough. But guess what? Bam Adebayo was there at the fifth pick. 
Like if you have a good enough scouting apartment, you can take them at number five. Mm-hmm. Like it's not like there's anything special about these like 11 to 14 picks where like this is where all the good guys end up. No, it's just all these other teams aren't good at scouting. Like those players were there. They were available. Exactly. So what is the benefit? Why are we doing this? There's no benefit. Is is the argument that it like makes you more appealing to a free agent? And I would say if that's the case, you have to be better than the Heat were. You have to be like consistently making the playoffs, which they have not been doing. Mm-hmm. They are they are missing the playoffs every other year since they lost the finals, since they lost LeBron. Yeah. Uh John Hamm's texting me right now. And uh we're just discussing the late- breaking news. Breaking news. I was wrong about something. Um, so I did say the Lakers tanked. The Lakers, he's right. The Lakers did not tank. They just sucked. And there's a difference, right? So like tanking is a strategy used to get higher, to get high draft picks so that you can get good players, right? And so you look at, it's actually not been done a ton in the history of the NBA, like a full season tank. You had like, you have examples like the Warriors tanking like the end of the season so they can get Harrison Barnes, right? But like a full on, like this is our long, this is like our three-year plan or whatever. And it is to do this, you know? I, I think we probably just need to like change the name of tanking because people just, it's only, it's mostly thought of as negative, right? And oh, so- for sure. Maybe we should call it uh, small market star hunting or something, because like that's like the only way the small markets can get stars. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, what Presti said, like rebuilding and replenishing, it's it's a it's a boring way to say it. Yeah, it I is. mean, it, it does it does have some alliteration there. Yeah, but it's not as flashy as tanking. Mm-hmm. But I think it's it's a it's a strategy that's being used, and like you look at other teams like like Minnesota or the Suns or the Kings, or I don't know the 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 Wizards or the Hornets or the Pistons or the Bulls or the Cavs or the Knicks. Like those, none of those teams tanked, just sucked because they're poorly run franchises, and so you have to know the difference. Like there is a clear difference. And like these, a lot of those teams started their season thinking, oh, we've got some guys. We can go, we can go win some games. The answer, like, it was always no. Like, you can't, you can't because you're terrible. And yeah, I feel like a distinct difference between the two. Tanking for those other teams is let's just be bad and see what happens. And maybe we'll get some guy who's, who's so, who's like bigger than our franchise who like on his own can reverse the course of our franchise, mm-hmm. which is not really what the Thunder are doing. They already have a great organization. Yeah. They have, they're going to have, you know, a good coaching staff, a good developmental team that is going to be able to identify guys who fit this specific franchise and then build them up. And I think calling it rebuilding and replenishing is actually like a very hopeful thing because it implies that you're doing something you've done before. Mm-hmm. You're rebuilding. You've already built something. You're doing it again. You're replenishing. It already was plenished. Plenished? Is that a word? You're doing it again. Yeah. So it, it implies that you have some experience with this entire uh, idea, this entire path forward. Whereas other teams, it does not seem as clear. Yep. It's like, uh, we'll just see what happens. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I think that's exactly right. Uh, let's move on, Alex, to your top five chaos teams in the NBA. Okay, top five chaos teams in the NBA. What are chaos teams? Chaos teams is my attempt to predict which teams will look most different from now until next season, or will look most different next season compared to now, um, which is not as easy as you might think because I'm sure a lot of people are like, oh, here goes Deborah Buckets about to talk about the Houston Rockets. I actually don't, they, I did not put them in my top five because I don't think the roster is going to look that much different. They're going to get a new coach. Maybe they do an Eric Gordon trade, but otherwise I don't feel like their roster is really ripe for chaos. So they are not a chaos team for me. Similarly, what? I said they're stuck. Yeah, they're stuck. That's not chaos. No, it's I mean, not. It could, you could have internal chaos in that situation. Sure. But chaos I'm thinking of, like, you want to see, like, complete overhauls of rosters, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is a lot harder as I start going through teams. There's not as many teams, especially in this offseason, where I'm like, mm-hmm. ooh, that's a definite candidate. Similarly, I did not put the Clippers as a team of chaos. Yeah. Maybe they lose Montrez Harrell. Maybe. But they're probably still going to have Kawhi and PG. Now, could they be? Could they decide to trade PG? Maybe. I just don't see it happening. So they're not really a team of chaos to me. So I'm going to count down my top five teams of chaos. And this is really just a way for us to talk about some teams we just haven't talked about in a while. Number five, this one I'm kind of, this is the one where I feel like I'm kind of going out there on a limb. Okay. But that's why it's number five. Utah Jazz. Whoa, 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 whoa. Okay. Explain. Utah Jazz. Here, my my thinking here is the Go Bear, yeah, the Go Bear move. He's going into his final year of his deal. If you were going to get anything back from him, now would be the time. Mm-hmm. There seems to be no indication that the Jazz are like too thrilled about having to pay him a huge max. And if Go Bear isn't on that team, that dramatically changes the entire like ethos of the Jazz. I feel like even though Donovan Mitchell is their best player. Like when I think of the way the Jazz are constructed, like it starts with Rudy Gobert. Mm-hmm. He's like the linchpin of everything that team has been over this last half decade. So I think that if they became a team of chaos and traded out of that Gobert deal, I think everything could potentially change with the way that team looks and how they're constructed. I don't think they're going to run out and try to replace Gobert with another center that plays like Gobert. Mm-hmm. No. I don't think so either. But admittedly, that one is out on a limb. Okay. Yeah. They could they could obviously just be the Jazz again. Yeah. Number four, talked about this one last week, Chicago Bulls. Yeah. Now, Chicago Bulls, team of chaos for obvious reasons. One, they've already, you know, one aspect of being a team of chaos is you're changing your coach. That could be a way to bring chaos. So they did that. But when you look at the teams that have the potential to dramatically change their roster, the Bulls are at the top because they have young young players that may be appealing to some team. They have their own picks going forward, so they have picks to trade. They have some big deals with the uh, Otto Porter. Yep. Big deal, big deal. Cristiano Felicio is something. So Zach Levine even, 20 million. Zach Levine even. So they could be a potential team of chaos. I'm really interested to hear after you hear these, if you think I missed someone like way obvious, because now I'm getting stressed out. Okay. <laughs> but we already talked about the Bulls. Number three, 
is the one I hinted at earlier, the Indiana Pacers. Yeah. Now, this came from uh, Jared Weiss, right? Jared Weiss. Everyone, yeah. No one put his first name here. Yep. On, on The Athletic, he, he's writing about the Celtics, but he said, then there are other members of the best five of the Celtics. Hayward won't be opting out of his contract unless he has a long-term extension in place, which will be hard for a 30-year-old with a concerning injury history. Indiana is still home for the Haywards, and with Victor Oladipo looking to move on this offseason, according to sources, and Miles Turner possibly in the same boat, there could be an opportunity for Ainge to move Hayward and an abundance of draft picks in his war chest in a mutually agreeable way. So this was the first time we had heard kind of rumblings about Oladipo, but this was the first time we had heard about Miles Turner possibly being in the same boat, which has actually been confirmed by like a Indiana Pacers reporter. Hmm. So this isn't coming out of nowhere. If the Pacers are moving on from either of those guys, but especially if they're moving on from both of those guys, that is a huge team of chaos potential. Yeah. That's because great. Then you have the Broggy Doggy left over and Sabonis. Yep. And TJ Warren. Don't don't want to leave him out. And no loser TJ Warren. And I'm terrified if I'm another team of trading for Victor Oladipo, but Miles Turner, I mean, the Rockets obviously would love to get Miles Turner. I do not know how they do it. Legion Hoops, you know Legion Hoops, <laughs> they're tweeting out that the Rockets would go after Miles Turner. He would be like amazing for quote unquote small ball Rockets because it wouldn't even be small at that point. Yeah. Yeah. You'd have like a legit stretch five that is probably best in the role of like a th- the third best player. Can you oh, even you, make it work? Can you even make it work? Yes. You, yes. You can do some trash like Eric Gordon, Daniel <laughs> House. I know, but I'm saying like, can you make this beneficial for the Pacers? No. Well, because <laughs> do they have any picks? What are their tradable picks? Man. Any. So, they got a bunch of round twos. 2021 round 2022 round one can you trade that even uh i think you can because they technically do have a pick next year they just don't know which one it'll be what if you do 2022 and 2024 you can lottery protect 2024 uh honestly this is scaring me now because now you're talking about two first round picks for miles turner and i suddenly feel like this is doable yeah Yeah, I think it is. Okay, well, that's terrifying because I I went into this not thinking there was any way the Rockets could get Miles Turner, and now you're saying that they could give away two first-round picks. I'm scared now. Is that where the Pacers want to be, though? Like, the Pacers want to be rebuilding? Well, that's the thing. I mean, you're bringing in, like, say what you want about Eric Gordon, Daniel House, but those are NBA rotation players. Can you trade Daniel House after what happened in the bubble? (laughs) Yeah, I would still want him. I would still want him on my team. <laughs> He's the only rocket I like. <laughs> no Covington? No, you can't trade Covington. I know, but I like Covington, I'm saying. Oh, 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 yeah, I do like Lord Covington. Um, but man, that would be some major chaos for the Pacers. And at, at that point, like I just don't know what you do if you're the Pacers. Like if if they really do want to leave the Pacers have definitely been a team that we have not seen tank. Mm-hmm. They're like the much more realistic version of the Miami Heat. Uh, like, I think their situation is more applicable. If you want to be the Pacers, you can be the Pacers, right? 
yeah, they they are much more applicable to uh, the Thunder situation. Yeah, you want to? Yeah, if if you're satisfied with being the Pacers, that is available to to you right now. <laughs> and and the kind of move they made trading away their star. Of course, they didn't know they were getting an All Star at the time. But like that's the type of move that would make sense for the Thunder. Mm-hmm. Like if you, if you had a disgruntled star and you're trying to go young but upside. Um, yeah. So yeah. So that's my number three team of chaos. Going back to Oladipo, like Who I just Vic. Honestly, the Gordon Hayward straight up, yeah, would would make sense for the Celtics, but I don't see necessarily why the Pacers would do that. I mean, you're bringing home another Indiana guy, which is what they did with Old Depot. That worked out for a year, <laughs> and it was really cool. Yeah. So maybe you hope that you can revive Gordon Hayward, who that's crazy that he's already 30. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if you're a team out there, I, I do not look at Victor Old Depot as a buy low. I mean, I think he is a buy low technically. Yeah. But but I'm just worried that he's going to like stay low. Because the type of injury he had is just terrifying. Like, this isn't... I, I always think about when guys' legs snap, you know, like Paul George or, or Julius yeah. Randle. Mm-hmm. And people always freak out about that. And I feel like those, even though those are graphic injuries, they do not, like, concern me long-term. Especially when it's, like, a big bone snapping. Like, that's probably going to heal. That guy's going to come back. But when you start getting into the patellar tendon or the Achilles tendon or I don't even remember what Victor Oladipo's was specifically. I know it was something with his knee. Yeah. I'd have to look and see. Um, he had a ruptured quad tendon in yeah, his yeah, right yeah. knee. Like th- that's where I get, start getting freaked out. I would much rather have a guy who's like coming off a broken leg and be willing to buy low. than when we start getting into ruptured tendons, because we just, the, the track record isn't great for a lot of those injuries. And so I'm terrified of Victor Oladipo. Now, what did you bring up here? So I've got Gary Harris, a straight up swap. Victor Oladipo for Gary Harris. <sighs> like, I'm legit terrified. Of Oladipo. I, I wouldn't even do that if I was the Nuggets. And I, and I don't know why the Pacers would do that. I mean, they have, in their minds, if they're trading Oladipo, they are still trading an all-star in their minds who just happens to be coming back from injury. Then you can't trade him then. Then you can't trade him. I just think a deal like this where you get back Harris, who's like a good player, right? Like yeah. A, like he's a, he's a good, he's a solid NBA starting level player. And then you have him with, with Brogdon and Sabonis. And like, you just have like a solid Indiana Pacers team. That's going to be the fifth seed. Forever and ever. Well, I did not realize that Oladipo is on an expiring. Yeah, I mean I that's I, why, that's that's what I mean. That's why this conversation is happening, where he's like, "Okay, I just want out," because they're probably like, "Hey, we'll give you an extension at about the same money that you're at." And he's like, I, "That's stupid. I need a lot more money than that." And they're like, "Well, we're the Pacers, and we're not going to pay you crazy money." And he's like, "Okay, well then, just trade me." Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting because. Uh, you know, he could potentially come back next year. Maybe he has a great season, and now he's like a definite max player. Mm-hmm. And he, and I guess in his mind, it's like, am I really going to get that opportunity in Indiana this next year mm-hmm. to like build up my value? 
or it makes sense to go somewhere else right now. Someone who's actively wants me to be a part of their team. Cause we kind of saw it in the bubble, which it's again, it's because he's coming back from inner injury, but like there were many times when Oladipo was on the court and was like, not even the first or second option. He was just kind of out there. Mm-hmm. He just liked to looked like another guy on the court and they weren't necessarily focusing their offense around him. So maybe in his mind, he's like, yeah, I do need to build up my value before this next big contract. And maybe that's not going to happen on the Pacers. Yeah. He's been overtaken by Warren, known loser. You never want to be overtaken by a known loser. <laughs> never want to be overtaken by a loser. <laughs> oh, it's very true. It's very, very true. Um, okay, so that was team three, team okay. of chaos. So my top two, number two. Hold on, I have one more Oladipo trade. What? What's this other Oladipo trade? Tim Hardaway Jr. broke Victor Oladipo. So now that I know he's an expiring, like this type of a deal, especially if you're the Mavericks and you've already made the decision, we're probably not going to pay Tim Hardaway's next contract, who is also on an expiring deal. In that case, it's I guess it's like, why not? You feel like you're bringing in more upside than you're getting with Tim Hardaway. Yeah. You also probably have a lower floor if Old Depot has any type of setback. But yeah, that's the type of deal where I could see it making sense, especially for the Mavericks. And they don't feel like there's any other free agent on the market that's really gettable. They mm-hmm. kind of have this one-year window, and then they could do it all again next year. Yeah. And if Vic is good, like if Vic is close to the level that he was, that's great. And he doesn't even need to be because he's playing beside Luka Doncic. Like... Yeah, that actually would be a great situation for Victor Oladipo. He knows he's coming in as like the secondary ball creator. Mm-hmm. So and yeah, if, and if you're the Pacers, Tim Hardaway, great player on a fifth seed. It's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, that part of it I feel less confident about. But yeah, from the Mavs perspective, <laughs> sure, why not? I kind of like that one actually. Yeah. Okay, my number two team of chaos. Sacramento Kings. Oh boy. Now we haven't even heard a lot. So this is like, it's not really going out on the limb because I feel like the Kings are always a pretty easy choice for chaos, but <laughs> they do have the new GM uh-huh. in place. Yep. New, G- new GMs like to shake things up. They like to start rebuilding the team in their image of what they think it should look like. They have a ton of young guys. They have every type of young guy you could want. Exciting young guy, disappointing young guy, young guy. I guess he's not really young, but Buddy Healed on a biggish deal. They have Harrison Barnes on a biggish deal. They got to decide on Bone Dong. Yeah. Like they just have a lot going on. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess the one thing you could say we have heard is that Buddy Healed and the Kings maybe are on the outs. That, that would be like, that wouldn't surprise anyone if they moved on from Buddy Healed, especially mm-hmm. if they want to give that money to Bogdanovich. Um, so they are my number two team of chaos. And honestly, if they had not made the move, like if, uh, Vlade was still in charge of things, I would not have put them here because I think when you have, when you, you've brought in all these players, like uh, he, he handpicked all these players. He made all these deals. He made all these draft picks to bring in the guys on the current roster. You develop an attachment to those guys and wanting to prove that you were right. Whereas now with a new GM, I think all that's out the window which makes them much more ripe to be a team of chaos. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't disagree at all. No idea what a potential 
the deals would be, but I could just see them being dramatically different from their current roster. Yeah. Do you think they would be uh, interested in a Steven Adams deal? They shouldn't be. <laughs> that that's, that honestly is like more of a Vlade move. I don't know enough about their GM. Yeah. Uh, we got we to gotta give the Kings a chance. Do we, though? We got to give them a chance. We thought it was going to be because the Joe Dumars thing happened. Yeah. And everyone was like, oh, this is weird. Like, he's basically in a very important role, but they're also going to be in a G- bring in a GM. Like, who's actually going to have say here? Mm-hmm. But then Joe Dumars has, like, since not, like, stepped down, but, like, made it clear what his role is. And so their GM is going to be, like, the, the decider. So I got to give that guy a chance. Okay. Maybe they, but that still makes them a potential team of chaos because that GM could be potentially very smart. Why are you giving us Harrison Barnes? Andrew's trying to trade us Harrison Barnes. Because that's the, that's like the incentive, right? For who? Uh, For for us? (laughs) No, no, no. Like if you were, like, let's say that the Thunder were like, we, we actually believe in Marvin Bagley. Like we actually believe that he could be a nice young building block. Yeah. And so you say, "Listen, Kings, we're gonna we're gonna get give you a get out of jail free card and give you a good player in Stephen Adams, and we'll throw you a Terrence Ferguson, and we'll take back Harrison Barnes, but you just have to give us Marvin Bagley, who's not worked out for you. And honestly, if he doesn't work out for you at all, it's just gonna be more of a reminder that you didn't take Luca. So get rid of the reminder that you didn't take Luca. Give us your Harrison Barnes bad contract, and we'll give you." A Steven Adams and a Terrence Ferguson and uh, this year's first round pick. Okay, so I yeah, I was gonna say you probably need to throw in a first rounder, and I'd be willing to do it because getting a player like Marvin Bagley, who you are definitely buying low on, he's had a ton of injuries, mm-hmm. but I think those are the types of players you need to buy low on. Like this isn't Victor Oladipo who's like going into a massive contract. Mm-hmm. This is a guy who's taken just like two years ago and mm-hmm. he's still really young and we've seen players who've been injured earlier in their career and have broken out of it. We've also seen players who just end up being injury plagued their entire career, but you're not giving up that much. Like if you're giving up pick 25, like that's nothing. And I do think you make a good point that the psychological distress being caused by still having Marvin Bagley on that roster mm-hmm. and having to like think and talk about it every single time like I do think there's a psychological benefit to getting that player off your team. Mm-hmm. And it's it's not Marvin's fault. You know, he just got injured. It's it's Vladdy's fault. <laughs> and everybody knows it. Yep. He's gone. So if you could also get remove that pick, I do feel like it gives you a, a new a new start at least psychologically. Yeah. And then like it opens up like room in the rotation like if you want to try like buddy buddy healed once out sure but you still have 4 years left. You're like sorry dude. Like you we want you here. And we're going to keep you here. And then, like, you can still you can start Bogdanovich and Buddy Heald and Darren Fox. Like that. Actually, I think you should do that because that provides you with enough shooting. And then you have Steven as your screen setter and guy that that does things sometimes and is actually like a nice defensive player. I think like, that's a competent team. Like that's a competent Western Conference team where if Darren Fox makes a leap or if Bogdanovich makes a leap which he's 28, he's probably not making a leap. But if De'Aaron Fox makes a leap, 
then you could put yourself in the playoff conversation. And they also still have their pick this year. Yeah, they have their pick this year. So they can bring in another player. They can use pick 25 to bring in a rotation player of sorts. And then if you're the Thunder, like you just get a chance to see if Marvin Bagley something. You tell Harrison Barnes, welcome to OKC. You're, you're just as boring as our city. It's going to be great. And, uh, you know, you, you see if there's any magic left with Marvin Bagley. Yeah, and try to get off of Harrison Barnes if you can, because he's going to be taking some Baisley minutes. You know he's going to be taking some Baisley minutes. I mean, I guess you play you could play him at the three. Yeah, you just I don't. I mean, there's good. I mean, guys are going to have to play. <laughs> You're going to have to have guys with <laughs> big money that have to play. No, Baisley's going to play 48 minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, my final team of chaos, the number one team of chaos, and I feel like this is the only one that's obvious, is the New York Knicks. Yeah, I, I feel Thunder, most. Uh, hold on, before you, before you, are the Thunder an implied team of chaos? Uh, yeah, yeah, I, just because we always talk about them, but okay. yeah, right. if I if I was actually ranking them on this list, I would put them number two. Okay, ahead of the Kings. Okay, because similar to the Knicks, it just seems like ev- like the stage has been set. Mm-hmm. Like the the Knicks have their new GM president, whatever you, his title is. You have the new coach. Mm-hmm. You have a bunch of tradable contracts. You have a ton of cap space. Like they are by far the most flexible team in the league. They could do anything. They are max chaos, and they're yeah. going to do something. There's no way they bring back this team for Tom Thibodeau. There's no way Tom Thibodeau goes to New York to coach this team. No, no, no. There's so no it's going to get crazy. They're they're maximum chaos. They are. Because you have all these, like Julius Randle's deal is almost twenty million, and he's on, he's got two years left. It's fine. Bobby Portis, one year left. Todd Gibson, one year left. Wayne Ellington, one year at eight million. Alfred Payton, one year at eight million. You've got, and then you have like your young guys, even on short deals. Yeah, Frank Nilakina is on an expiring deal. Dennis Smith Jr. is on an expiring deal. Kevin Knox has two years left. I mean, it is they are ripe for trades, and and you can't. It, you can't forget that they were convinced they were getting KD and Kyrie. You still have to make fun of that mm-hmm. for last season. But in retrospect, knowing that they didn't get those guys, what they did do, and now that they have the new GM president, now that they have the new coach, like this is the perfect roster to start everything over again. Mm-hmm. Which if you're a Knicks fan, like who cares? It'll probably be the same as always, you know. <laughs> Life is never ending in despair, but you can still talk yourself back into it at least for a couple more months until we see what they do. Yep. Yeah. And I think if they can, if in these trades they keep their draft picks, so you bring in the number eight pick and you have RJ Barrett and maybe you keep Nilakina, maybe you don't. Who cares? And you have Mitchell Robinson. And let's say you trade for Chris Paul and then make a trade for. I don't know, like another bad contract guy that's good still, like Al Horford or something. And then you like have a like a competent team in the East. No guarantee that you make the playoffs in the East still, but maybe you do. Yeah, I, I think. And you still have those Dallas picks. You have two Dallas picks that you could put yeah. into a trade just as, you know, probably late first, but still. Yeah. Sweeteners, sweeteners. Mm-hmm. So they got a lot. They got a lot to work with. Now, are there any teams that I didn't bring up that in your mind are obvious teams of chaos. 
I mean, the Sixers could be potentially. Yes, and the Sixers were definitely the team that was most likely to get on this list, but I just don't believe them. Like I, I, or I do believe them, and I do believe that they are going to try this again. Mm-hmm. Like I just, if they had made a GM change or if they had made some significant organizational changes, I would maybe buy into that they're going to be a, a chaos team. But I think that they're just going to like maybe they trade. Al Horford if they can find a deal, but otherwise they're going to be the same. Yeah. No, I think that's about right. I mean, I think there's some chaos potential with the Spurs, which doesn't sound like a thing that could be. That sounds weird. They've got the expirings of LaMarcus and DeMar DeRozan. And so like most likely thing that will happen is that those guys will just, their contracts will expire and they'll go somewhere else, (laughs) you know, right. They'll sign an extension that you're like, Oh, that's gross. Um, so to me, those, those are the, probably the big options there, but they've got tons of expiring contracts like Patty Mills, Rudy Gay, LaMarcus Aldridge, DeMar DeRozan. I mean, a majority of their cap is going to be done, like going to be completely open after next season. So there, there's potential there for them to, you know, the same kind of the same trades with like with Victor Oladipo, but with LaMarcus or DeMar DeRozan, you know, to those teams where you can solidify, you know, a, a, you know, if you're the Nuggets, I don't know that you want DeMar DeRozan. I don't know how helpful he is. But, like, if he was coming off your bench and was just, like, your sixth man, I don't know. Like, that's kind of cool. What if, uh, what if, what, what is the best old man team would we could create on the Knicks? Like, could they bring together CP3, DeMar, and LaMarcus? <laughs> Yeah, they're probably. And are, and are there any other old guys that are going to have to be a little cheaper? Honestly, some of the Taj Gibson would be great. Bring mm-hmm. him on because we need some cheaper old guys. We could make like the ultimate old man team. <laughs> you could do it. And yeah, the Knicks would be so happy. <laughs> yeah, well, and, you're, and you'd really just be doing it for a year. Yeah, you just do it for a year and then you just see what happens. I mean, they're super respectable because all these guys are like hardened veterans. They're they're all in the next stage of their career, though, right? Like they are. Then kind of passes prime, thirty-one, making tons of money, and is like still a decent player, like such a Knicks guy. Lamarcus, thirty-five years old, making too much money. Wow, he's thirty-five. Yeah, he's at the perfect Knicks stage of his career. Like he's yeah. he's he has officially become a Nick. Like that's he's oh my gosh! Like I he, bet you could convince Vince to come out of retirement, to put <laughs> together this team. Rudy Gay at thirty four, such a Nick, isn't he? <laughs> what if you could get the average age up to like thirty three on this team? Did the Spurs just become the Knicks and no one knew it? I think so. <laughs> Is that what happened? We had no idea the Spurs were becoming the Knicks. Uh, okay, we're at an hour 10. We need to stop. Thanks for listening to our podcast. You can follow Alex on Twitter at AlBabyCakes. You can follow me on Twitter at Andrew K. Schlecht. Hope you guys have a wonderful Wednesday. Thanks for following along on Periscope and on YouTube. We appreciate you listening. Make sure that you uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Just search down to dunk. Um, make sure you also leave us a five-star iTunes review if you have a chance. Enjoy the NBA Finals tonight. And we'll talk to you guys again on Friday.